You're listening to Paint the Town podcast with your hosts, LA Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of LA Street Art Gallery, James Chen of. Can you guys hear me? Yep. I can hear you. Yeah. I'm good. Loud and clear. Yes. Not only do we have the uh, honor of listening to someone that's amazing, we get to look at them too. <laughs> her. Stop we get to look it. at her. Stop, guys. Stop it. <laughs> Whenever we like have a beautiful. Well, just, I'm talking about the outfit, the outfit and everything too. Yeah, she's a you know what I mean? I she's made an effort to, you know, look good and she looks great. Doesn't matter how old what she looks like or anything. That's, you know. That's true. That's because leopard is timeless. Yeah, no matter how old you are when you wear it, people will assume that you're a fun person. But but you know what? Here's the thing. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You don't see you have like young girls wearing leopard and it's kind of, He's cute, you know what I mean? When you have babies wearing leopards, it's kind of like, looks like Bam Bam kind of thing. That's the only, you know what I mean? That's the only time, like, it's not, I feel like it's kind of like weird. You can't, what's you the age baby, range? What's, what's the... You don't see baby leopard clothing. That's From like, three to five, it must be a full body suit with ears. There you go. <laughs> there, there you go, there you go. Exactly. Uh, okay, so, so let's introduce who we have here. Um, we have True Love, and that's well, not spelled like the normal... Uh, I shouldn't say normal. The more the academic, there's nothing. There's no such thing as normal. Right, um, truth. It's spelled T R E W. This is correct. Okay, my. Where, how did you get come to that? Well, it's funny. This is actually um, one of my favorite stories, actually, because um, when I was in my younger years as an artist, before I was, you know, I think as an artist, everybody you have to grow into your identity, and. Um, Previously, before I knew who I was, I had a, a name that was just as generic as my efforts in the world. So I went by um, Aries, which was a, like, you know, Lady Aries, and then Lady Gaga popped on the scene. And I was like, man, well, I got to scratch the lady bit, <laughs> which sounds terrible. It sounds terrible, right? It's going to sound like you're trying to work something off that, right? Well, it was funny because then I was just like, you know, just calling myself Aries is just like, you know, it's, it's just not enough. And funny enough, this is like a crazy story. So my best friend and the time were wandering out late on the Hollywood Boulevard and we run into these guys end up making friends with them and they're like, yeah, we should come back to this studio. Sounds like the beginning of a terrible story, but actually <laughs> it, I, <laughs> sounds like a normal rock and roll story in Hollywood. Right. You know, like late night on the Boulevard, um, may or may not have had drugs involved. Um, but we were, we got invited back over to their quote unquote recording studio. And of course, you know, we were young enough to be like, Oh yeah, everybody who is who they say they are. But we actually went into this place and they had this, entire idea for this reality show that they wanted to construct which was how to manufacture a pop star using these like formulaic approaches so they could take anybody who was like i want to be a singer and they'll be like okay this is how we're going to manufacture you we need to develop your image we need to develop your name a marketing strategy a particular niche within the music market that you'll appeal to and then voila you'll have a pop star and it's accurate that's the way it is these days it is in korea actually not bts oh yeah and all these k-pop stars i have a friend in korea i mean like she's a very talented singer and, you know, she, uh, they basically said, like, hey, you want to be a pop star, like, you go through this XYZ program. It's kind of like Disney. Um, oh, it's an know, equation at this point. It's you know an equation. I mean? It's a proven exactly. equation. And, you know? and the fucking thing is that it works, man. And so it's like when you take, when, when you're talking about, like, selling records, it's different from making art, actually, a lot of times. You know what I mean? So, anyways, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm just saying that you're, you're right. It, it, you know, it definitely does work. Well, and it's fascinating, too, because I think, you know, I was still new enough to the scene to be like, wow, I didn't realize. You know, once you learn how to do the magic trick, the magic disappears. So it was really interesting to see him, like, basically calculate how this is done. And so he was asking me about my career, which was... <clears throat> very young at the time you know and he he asked me what my name was and I was like oh it's Aries he was like no 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 he's like that's not gonna work for you and he was like what's your full name and I said Adrian Trewalla 
So my last name is spelled T-R-E-W-O-L-L-A. Ancient Cornwall name, I don't know. Come from a line of farmers, I guess. Um, but so he was like, well, how about true? And I was like, uh, you know, it's cool and it's unique. And I was like, and I, I see why he likes it, but it just didn't resonate with me. Well, you know, my soul was like, yeah, I'm not into it. So it took me a really long time. And I was like, I kept trying to call myself true and introduce myself as true. And I was like, no, it's not working. So I started meditating on it and I was like, God, why, do, why do I not like this name? And the answer that came to me was, well, true is short for true love. And you're not going to feel comfortable calling yourself that until you learn how to live by the principles first. So I started making a list. I said, how does true love treat her things, her friends, her money, her car, herself, her body, her food? made a caliphate. Nice. I made a caliphate. And then I basically um, did an analytical approach to see where I was, took a um, current inventory about my current actions at the time and see how it, you know, compared to, you know, my goals. And I started making the adjustments and the changes in my life and everything really started blossoming from there. You know, I started creating boundaries and parameters for who I invited into my Sounds life like and what I did with my time. rocket science here, man. <laughs> I, know, I, mean, I love it. I'm actually getting chills right now because, like, one thing, honestly, normally, like, um, you know, people are just creative and they just throw it against the wall, man. I'm just going to be creative. You know what I mean? And a lot of people, I feel like, they don't have this, like, calculated... I, I'm like, well, everyone's different. No, I mean, everyone's really, different, really, exactly. but... Uh, I'm just like, wow, man. Very interesting to see what uh, the different uh, equations yeah, it, that they, they use to work with. It's working because I feel like, you know... Uh, People would tell me, he's like, what? Like, you know, I ran into uh, Little Ricky at your show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sheep, you know what I mean? And then he was like, yeah, I didn't even uh, know about her, but it was like right down the, uh, you know, street from my house, but I wanted to come over and check it out. And I was just like, there's so many people here. And she's, you're a relatively like, New Nars on the scene. Okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> you, you could say it, man. They're like, I, I take no offense to factual statements. Y you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was just like, but you know what? I went in there. And, uh, you know, I was really impressed by your show, and I just wanted to say it was, it was like an event. It felt like a, uh, it had a great vibe, too, you know I mean? So we were just like, hey. And then Teach ran into at the uh, uh, Above Ground show, right, where uh, Teach was doing the art auction, basically, too, right? So, and then he, we were just like, yeah, you know, it'd be great to get you on the show, and and voila, here you are, you know, you know what I mean? So we just want to thank you, first of all, for coming. Thank you for coming way out here. Oh, you know what? I mean, like, driving is, like, one of my favorite activities that what? I don't get to do very often. In traffic? <laughs> well, but I keep I get driving. Drives. Driving is great. Driving is great, but... I mean, but long on. drives where you know you're going to be on the road, like you mentally prepare yourself for a long stint where you're just going to be like, either I'm going to listen to something like you were talking about, yeah. or you just let your mind sit and wander into whatever, you know, deep, dark cavities it has in there that offer, you know, new, new inspiration. You know? I need to record that and put it in my <laughs> notes. I need to go back and listen to this podcast. Definitely. Because <laughs> you know I mean? it's like, I need to take some notes. But, um, you know, okay, let me ask you. Well, where are you from? I mean, uh, I'm from the heart of the United States, Kansas City. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I was just there. Wow. Oh, were you? Yeah. yeah. You know, I actually love Kansas City. It's too. a great spot, man. I call it the United Most States' water best kept fountains. secret. In, in the United States? Yes. Yeah. Go to Oklahoma Joe's? You know, it's, it, they rebranded. Re it's Kansas City Joe's because oh, people got confused. You know what Oklahoma Joe's is? No. It basically it's like the a, well, it used to be like a gas station, basically. <laughs> oh, Kansas City's got some barbecue. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh, like, my God. You, you oh, yeah. I mean, like, it's a gas station, and then, like, people, I mean, they don't really sell gas anymore. I think they have one pump or something like that. <laughs> but people just line up, and every single day, there's going to be, like, a one-hour wait for this barbecue, man. You yeah, know? they opened up, they, they they turned into a corporation almost. They, they started opening up, it's like, a franchise, I guess yeah. is the proper word. Okay, but, so what part of Kansas City? <clears throat> um, the Kansas, suburbia Kansas side. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So about, you know, five minutes from the Missouri border, which means whenever we wanted to go out super late, we would just, just uh, hop and a skip and a jump from the places that actually let us party to the hours that we actually wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I love her, man. She's like a Midwest next door gal. You, you, That's me. You know, no, but you look like a rock star, man. Oh, you thanks. Have that vibe, man. Like, you know, you know, you accessorize, man. You know, well, the energy is, is, is great also. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, like, we need to talk about like her art because uh, we, we like, I, just we're getting there. Life. Slow down there, buddy. <laughs> I just, Chill out. I was like, I need to drive out here more often. Lots of questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, you know, Tisha's got a lot of questions, but like I said, no. You know, she's got that leopard print going on. You know, I mean, she's got all these accessories. It's, it's just, let's let's uh, let's go back to when uh, when did you realize you liked doing art? Oh, um, I think I came out of the womb that way. 
Um, my mom's an art teacher and she really, oh, well. yeah. So she started nurturing my, my creative abilities from a really young age and she is a really gentle critique. So she wow. always was really good at pointing out where I needed more contrast, where I needed more depth. Gentle critique. Yeah. a gentle. That's cr- awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, I think it's really important for any artist to realize that a critique is like a very essential part to your growth and learning how to be able to accept critique is, um, it's a, it's a, soul, it's, yeah, it is. And it's a soul's mission. And I think that, um, I think we really limit our capabilities when we don't allow ourselves to absorb information. But I think, you know, one of the most valuable lessons from learning being, you know, learning how to accept critique is learning also how to reject it when it's appropriate, learning how to accept it when it's appropriate. And those two things are uh, a self-evaluating prophecy. You know, you yes. have to you have to accept and give people the, the moment to feedback, give you feedback, but then saying, are they going to sway me from what I'm trying to do or are they going to um, expand on what I'm trying to do and I think that that that's the level of personal um, deciphering I guess but oftentimes when critique comes especially if it doesn't come in the way that's palatable um, we reject it immediately even though it might be you know what we need to take ourselves to the next level oh especially well, artists oh yeah totally you guys, man. I mean for me I'm like my harshest critic man you know what I mean like I just like beat myself up like actually I just showed you teach a new track like I'm about to release you know what I mean and like Oh, just, dude, let's, uh, can we listen a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I want to hear it. Dude, just come on. We got, we got a whole hour here. You yeah. Know? Well, and you know what? One of, one of the most valuable things that I ever learned was, so my, my best friend, okay, because you're, you're in a band? Uh, I mean, I'm, I would say I'm a musician, but I'm actually a DJ, basically. Oh, so, sweet. Yeah, I jam with people, yeah. Amazing. Um, so, oh. man, I got so much to share with you, but so my, <laughs> my, my best friend, um, I'm like, how do I, how do I preface the story? So I'm a singer as well, um, but I tried out for American Idol like way way back in the day in like 2008, and I got up there and I was like, yeah, dude, like I'm gonna totally like impress these producers, whatever. I got up there and I totally froze and I forgot all the lyrics, like totally froze, like like paralyzing, never happened to me before. And for three years, what an experience, man, it tore me to shreds. But I think that it was like a, a very necessary blow to my ego because you know, ask my parents, they were they were trying to like knock my ego down for years. So it took it took apparently American Idol to get there. So funny. dude, that's a that's a great preface for uh, for this. Let's just for track. listen to it for a second. Yeah, because okay. right. I you know I've I've listened to it. I dig what you do. You know, and uh, you know I think that uh, it'd be interesting to get maybe. You know, response from our, our guest. You know, no yeah. pressure on the guest or anything. You don't have to like it. You know, we're not going to beat you up or anything. But uh, <laughs> just be prepared that as somebody who's learned how to critique, if it sucks, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> yes. No, actually, no, I would love it. Because, you know what? It's because we listen to it in the car right now a little bit, and I got a good response from you. I'm going to play it. Dude. You know what I mean? Or I like the courage. That's good. <laughs> I already like it. Turn it up. start dancing soon. <laughs> no, this is what I need at like 12 o'clock when I'm trying to finish something. Totally it is. Or when I'm trying to wake up. Or when I'm trying to do anything. Let's go. 
Yeah, no, for real. It's very good. a little bit like a modern version of Casey in the Sunshine. Yeah. Well, you know what? <coughs> she sings. Yeah, no, I played in Visa. I played in like UK. I played in like LA. I played, you know, I played a lot of places before. You're going to have to let me know because my, my favorite, okay, here's what LA really lacks is a consistent night where you know you're going to show up where people actually dance, people wear sneakers. There's an actual dance floor that people utilize and it's not turned into tables or bottle service. And people don't care about what they look like. Like LA needs that. Amen. You know, like I remember. We got some warehouse parties. You need to tell me about them. I kid you not. Because like that's that's where I, that's where I grew up. You know, I grew up in the in the underground rave scene, and yeah. <laughs> so, it's the truth, yeah. Because well, and I I kind of joke around, and I'm like I am you know I'm not sure like how transparent you want me to be, but I think that it's really important that. Uh, no, I want you to be authentic because here. Okay, you're, great. You're, you're um, gonna, I grew up in the rave scene too, dude. And okay, dude, people in, from the underground scene are doing amazing stuff. Yeah, I'll take it. It's I'll, dude, every single night, every weekend. There's warehouse parties. Warehouse parties, so like seven in the morning. Yeah, and you know I'm gonna take you to Google party, dude. The, first of all, thank you guys for listening to my track. Sorry, the audio sucks. When I put it on the whole thing, it'll sound like really. Oh, good. I'm gonna it jam out. I'm gonna jam out to my car. Anyways, when we were listening to it in the car, it was a completely different experience. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I no, feel don't, no apologies. Like, don't, don't, shaking my sternum and like. <laughs> That's what I was like. Oh, I'm not really ready, but yeah. When they when they listen to it, I'll, I'll send it. To, you know what I mean? And then it'll it'll be cool, man. But that's kind of like my first draft of that uh, that song, man. And the reason it sounds like Casey and the Sunshine Band, actually, the the bassist inside there was actually playing with Casey and the Sunshine. He's, a tw he's one of my friends, James Dawkins. He's been on the podcast, actually. So I've traditionally done hip-hop. JD, that was dope, bro. <laughs> That's Owen. That was so sick. <laughs> oh. So basically, um, traditionally I've always done like hip-hop and like uh, G-House, kind of like more like urban stuff. But um, I'm doing a new sound. I was thinking like what's like classic electronic, like kind of like Daft Punk style. Totally. Justice. It never goes away, right? It's always like... People always like it, right, at the end of the day, right? You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, like, I'm going to get together with my boy, and we're going to release some, uh, um, just some disco, you, you know what I mean? And that, that's kind of the stuff that uh, we're doing. And going back to your last name, you said that your your last name's True, T-R-E-W, and that's kind of like how you got your name. So in the intro, you heard shenanigans, basically. My last name is Shen, so I go by shenanigans with an exclamation point, basically. And I have, you know, that's kind of like my whole brand or whatever you want to call it, you know? I think that's a pretty phenomenal brand. <laughs> It's We're like, what's your brand? It's like a no-brainer. I mean. <laughs> you know, and, yeah, dude, you know, I got this cool, like, uh, check out my page, uh, Shenanigans Music, basically, and then, like, uh, I, you know, I, I'm a professional, so I don't like to, uh, 
do certain like photo shoots and things like that. So I have a, my partner, West Coast Jeeves, basically. He's like a Muppet, basically, actually. Okay. And he's kind of like a uh, Muppet version of me. He no, he's Muppet. an actual Muppet. He's like, an actual Muppet made by the <laughs> he could, per, he could, he could show up on the TV show with all the other Muppets and would fit right in. Like he's legit made out of felt? Made out of the same materials. <laughs> No, I'm serious. <laughs> That's brilliant. And and That's whoever brilliant. did it it's... made it to look like James, and it is it is hilarious. It is. So oh my gosh! Hilarious. Did you guys see that the Crank Yankers is coming back on? Oh yeah, exactly. The what? Oh my god, the the Crank Yankers. What's that? So they do these like video these um crank phone calls and then they have muppets actually act like they're like speaking oh, to them. Oh, that sounds fun. It's funny. Like I didn't think it was gonna be funny, but it's funny. Is that was that on YouTube so that, or? Yeah, that, he does like photo shoots. Oh my like god! That. Look at him with all the girls. <laughs> what a player! Oh, he's stoked. <laughs> what is he doing? Is he taking drugs? Is he? <laughs> She's like, molesting what him? is she putting on his tongue right now? So, so my, you know, my, my goal is to have him DJ in the future for me when I get old. You know what I mean? So you have a Muppet DJ up there, and then everybody. Likes so it's like it's like a live version of the Gorillas. Yeah, yeah. I think that's brilliant. Exactly. Honestly, it hasn't been done yet. Oh my God, he's biting her cheese string. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my mixtape covers. If you want to check out the recent mixtape, this is the I think that cover. that's absolutely brilliant. Did you guys ever watch, um, what was it, the, was it the Black Mirror episode where there's like this digital animated politician that ends up winning... Mm, oh yeah. my god oh man i'm gonna have to send it to you it's i'm pretty sure it's a black mirror okay. episode where I, they i heard about that uh like premise definitely yeah, yeah where it's like the, the politics are so ridiculous that they actually input a like a muppet who's gonna run against everybody and they actually put him in the debates and he starts winning debates and then he actually wins the pre presidency we're actually actually that we're going through that pretty much in real life I yeah right i was like yeah, a, pretty much yeah pretty much <laughs> I mean, I mean you know, yeah. we're, we're living in strange times right now. Like, strange times, under yeah. I mean, understatement of the century, truly. I mean, you know what? Let's, let's, kind of, let's go up to your art, actually, because you get kind of political in your art. It, kind of is an understatement, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know, you had your most recent show. It was called Sugarcoated, right? And then I heard some of your interviews. You're talking about like, you know, what that means. Can you explain to the audience a little bit, like, why you decided to call your um, show Sugarcoated, basically? Well, yeah, and I think uh, it takes a little bit of, like, a, a background to be able to explain the reason why I felt it was sure. important to do. Um, so, in 2016, there was the battle at Standing Rock and the, the Dakota Access Pipeline, mm -hmm. where the tribal leaders stood up to, to fight the pipelines. So, um, there became a, a divestment movement in Los Angeles to... Um, create a broad-based coalition of people who believe that we needed to divest our city's funds from Wells Fargo for funding the Dakota Access Pipeline. So over a period of um, just over seven months, we lobbied the city council uh, twice a week, every week for seven months. And um, we came into their budget and finance meetings and we really put a lot of pressure on them. And actually after seven months, we got them to unanimously, unanimously divest 40 million from the city's funds. And then over uh, continual pressure, they actually decided to unanimously vote to divest all of the city's funds from Wells Fargo, completely barring Wells Fargo from doing any financial services with the city. Um, we call it the largest bank heist in history that nobody covered. <laughs> um, but the question That's was like, awesome. what do you do with eight billion dollars once you take it out of a, a out of a bank? And the answer is, you put it in other large Wall Street banks because it's the only institutions that are large enough to hold that amount of money. FDIC. So, right. So we were like, that's not acceptable. We have to, we can create something better. So the Divest LA campaign then morphed into the Public Bank LA campaign and we built a really strong relationship with the city council members. And so Herb West and the city council president actually put us on the ballot in November last year. So um, actually like the, oh man, there's, like, there's so many avenues. Um, but we really needed to raise a lot of money. We were a very small grassroots organization that didn't have any funding. So I hosted a fundraiser last year for the Yes on B campaign. B was the ballot measure. And um, that's where I ended up meeting Classic Jesus, who ended up being, you know, he's now my studio mate and opened up the world to um, all these different people who were involved in the activism scene. But um, to reverse a little bit, I realized that what the activism scene needed was more people. And what people... Um, how do you get more people involved? You have to educate them. So I, as an artist, said, you know, what can I do as an artist to educate people? So um, I said, sprinkle a little sugar on it and call it an art show. You know, you take the truth and then 
you make it appealing in such a way that people are willing to approach it on their own accord. Um, because if you run up to somebody and you say, like, hey, look at this terrible thing that happened, people are like, oh, just shut it out. And so I, you know, by using neon colors and unexpected materials, you know, we started talking about, you know, these acrylic panels, people are naturally curious. And I think that if you can spark people's natural curiosity, then the luring in, the, the act of trying to get them to pay attention is already taken care of. Yeah, I mean... Wow. Yes, it is. That's well, awesome. I mean, so, so let me let me ask you. Going back, I feel to like your, I'm like, talking to a scientist, well, I mean, <laughs> like with a PhD I I, with well, a few other initials, and I don't even know what the fuck they mean. It's like a you know? continuous stream of consciousness. That's, <laughs> yes. that's how that's how I like to like to see it. You know, you know, I, I like really, it. We got a lot of energy going on here. Well, so, funny, funny enough, I was actually going to be an orthodontist. That's what I was going to school for initially. I was a I was really? a chem major and a bio minor, and then I was like, uh, ten years of school, get me out of here. Well, I was a chem major too, and chemistry is. Oh, like, see, you know what I mean, man. Yeah, man, it's like. You you know what, OCHEM, PCHEM, all that kind of stuff, it's crazy. It's man. crazy. Like, I just, you know what, if you're an artist and you have to sit through like that kind of stuff, it's like fucking... And stab my eyes out with yeah, number exactly. two pencils. No, so right? I learned how to cheat really well in college. Right? Oh, isn't that <laughs> terrible? I know. <laughs> it's called survival. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, hey, like... I got better things to do. Or as our president would say, normal life. You know? Yeah, right? Exactly. Sorry. I, I got to try to just get away from you. No need of apologizing for but, a But, you know, truth. okay, so I saw these acrylic... First of all, it's a medium. It's kind of cool. That, uh, okay, let me back up. You said that you are uh, studio mates with Plastic Jesus, basically. You also yes. did a collaboration. You, know, you, know, you did a scavenger hunt kind of thing, right? And uh, tell us a little bit about that. That was pretty, uh, a, lot, a lot of people got involved, right? Well, it was crazy. You know, like you were saying before, like I was an artist that wasn't really on the scene. I didn't really have much of a name to really, you know, carry myself into this mega exhibit that I was building. So I was like, what's the, the best way to gain more traction and it's create momentum and I was work, working with um, a, like a social media marketing girl at the time and she was like you should do a street art scavenger hunt like because I was really inspired by um, Banksy and Banksy Takes New York the, you know the, the residence that he, residency that he did mm -hmm. and it created this momentum of, of curiosity and excitement around the arts and all, a lot of the messages that he had in his work were really quite political and he does it in a way that's like you kind of want to laugh at it, but at the same time you're like, that's not really funny, yeah. you know, like the the truck full of caged stuffed animals that oh, were yeah. like mooing out the side. Silence it was like of the lambs. Silent, yeah, and it's it's it gets you in a way that you're like you don't have the 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 guard to prepare yourself to receive information in that way, so you can't defend Always yourself against it. Very clever and witty. You know? Very witty, and I you know wit is and humor is such a an, an important way a delivery mechanism for truth i think you yeah, know for one, most people for most people you know my dad my dad always said one thing well actually my dad says a lot of things he'll, he'll probably be quote, quoted quite frequently throughout this hour sounds like a great dad to a me. great dude yeah great dude great dad um but he said one of the the first components of being being funny is that you must first be smart that's right and i i think that smart humor is like you know i think it really gets people it hits people in a way you know it's concise and it's delivered in a way that you can't reject it some because people. you're busy laughing there are some people that will be like, oh yeah there's plenty of people who get angry at humor but dear lord i can't imagine living that life <laughs> well you know it, it, as time goes by people get more and more sensitive you know we're in the age of uh of hypersensitivity i call it. right you know Absolutely. it's like people just look for anything to get upset about and the amount of effort it takes these days to get someone upset is just ridiculous. Click. All you got to do is push a few buttons, you know, and push another button. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got uh, China saying, you know, no more NBA. Right. How much effort did that take for that person to put that message up? It's, Zero. It's now, a, in order to offend that many people in that way, way back when, the things that you would have to do, the effort that you would have to make... You know, to get that many people to see your message, you know, it's it's it leads to dangerous times. Yeah, no, let's let's talk about that for a second because you got you know you got a Chinese person right here, so it's kind of like interesting. I think, to, especially to me, like growing up, like it was always like, uh, it's especially Chinese people, like you know, they're going through communism and their whole like uh, cultural revolution. So, you know, nobody really thought about China until like the mid nineteen nineties. The economy started like going up, and they just excelled like crazy you know now to the point that basically the whole like nba and so many different sports teams in houston and things like that are like dude if they pull the plug on the sponsorship yeah they kind of <laughs> rely on them a bit <laughs> you know what i mean so it's kind of interesting to me uh like the next generation like i'm just saying like i feel like everybody 
it's kind of has to learn how to speak Chinese. It's kind of crazy, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because I grew up speaking Chinese. And uh, like I said, actually maybe even made fun of for being Chinese. <laughs> like a lot of times, you know, it's crazy how times have changed, man. But I don't support that communist bullshit, dude, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just saying, this is me personally, you know what I mean? <laughs> at the end of the day, like, uh, it's just crazy that, uh, like, I'm just saying, at the end of the day, China's a communist country. And they, what I think it's like, they don't allow the freedom of the artists to like really, really thrive. You know what I mean? Like you can, yeah. It's like, hey, you can decorations. Talk, yeah, and you know, you, you make decorations. It's like art for decorations. You know, what I mean, but if you want to make a political statement, that's like a big no-no for like Ai Weiwei. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's talk about him for a second. At first, Brilliant, you know, I dude. wanted to be, I wanted to like, I, you know, I was like, uh, oh, he's not the most attractive guy, right? You, you know what I mean? And then I'm like, okay, all right, I'm looking. He at makes up for it in, <laughs> yeah, in fucking in concept sheer, sheer alone. audacity. You know, just concept alone. I mean, I love like just a very simple thing. He took like a, a ancient like Ming vase and then he painted like Coca Cola on it, like you know what I mean? And it's just like it, there's so many levels to that. that he's he's one of those guys that when you see his piece, you're like, God. Why didn't I think of at least part of that? Just a part of it. Why couldn't I at least come up with part of what he did there? You know? Well, well let's talk about let's talk about Shrew's art because you know what? She has some like really cool, uh, deep meaning stuff too, man. You know what I mean? Because like, like she first of all, her medium is like interesting because she used acrylic. How did you come about using panels. the acrylic? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's such a it's such a like typical answer I feel like when I'm like, like oh my god I went to Burning Man and I was on this art car and I was just having this fucking amazing moment and I was dancing on this box and I looked below me and there was laser inscribed acrylic panels and I was like that's dope I think that that's what I'm going to use and so it took me a while to figure out because I'd been painting on canvas uh, for my whole pop life collection and just very very excruciating meticulous detail on a lot of it and it was really like even though it looked really cool, it was really brain-numbing. Yeah. And while other people liked it, there were definitely times that I hated it. And I was like, if I burn this canvas, I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm glad that you said that. A lot of people don't realize that that some artists will find a style, you know, and people will love it. But then they don't realize what a pain in the ass it is to execute that. And, it, and you get stuck in it because then what, that's what people, you know, you get, you know, people identify you by that and you're like, how are you supposed to step away from your identity? And that actually, interestingly enough, has been um, one of the things that's been really challenging to me because the typical uh, pathway to which, be, you know, you would become a decent artist is to do, develop a particular style or technique that you then become identified by. To me, that sounds like a jail. Exactly. It's, it sounds like a jail. So what I think it has taken me so long to be able to artic articulate even to myself is what I really think that I am is a production company mm. that produces art events. So sugar coated. Like yeah. So sugar coated is one event series that will last only until the end of 2020, unless I decide to do an international tour after that. Mm -hmm. But it's like a, you know, here's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Rainbow disappears. It's never going to exist again. Mm. So it's not something that that's, I'm going to, that's what a true artist does. Well, and that's kind of what I want to do. So the and it's fun too because like so my next concepts is like I have um, True Love presents an animated adult cartoon series called mm -hmm. Rhyme and Reason. So and I'll tell you guys about I that. I never expected that from. Uh, I'm already interested. <laughs> well, this one I is mean, well, for obvious reasons. Here. You know, one of my favorite pieces. And I, the night that I was there, like I said, I like to be a little bit elusive and just like sneak in. And, I appreciate like, that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sorry I didn't say hi to you that night. <laughs> no, it's but, okay. Um, you know, I, I love this. It's called the French exit too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I'm gonna use that more French accent. Yeah, but you know, I love this one that you have like all these uh, pills of social media. Uh, uh, um, is this one? It's called pop culture, I think, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. mouth. Yeah, exactly right. And then like I, I saw it, you know, you sold it that night too. You know what I mean? So like, congratulations. Thank on you. You know what I mean? But how? You know, the acrylic panels. I mean, like. Uh, what, what, how do you glue them together? I mean, like, maybe that's like a stupid question. No, it's totally not stupid at all. Um, and I preface this by saying that my mind is um, more complex than my skill set, and I had to hire somebody. Okay. Um, but the way that the collection actually started developing is because I'd, I'd realized that I wanted to work with acrylic like panels, yeah. but I didn't know what I wanted to do with them. And so um, because I'm... I'm I try to keep my costs really low. I would go to the dollar store and buy these these poster board, and they have all these different neon colored poster boards that are really great for stencils, mm -hmm. yeah. um, because they're they're thick enough that they hold their um, 
their structure, but they're thin enough that they're easy to cut. So I would just buy all these different neon um, poster boards, use them for stencils, and the scraps from the stencils I would put it all in a pile. And what I noticed is that the scraps, mm. I started seeing things in the piles of scraps, and I started maneuver like you know shifting them around and i was like holy shit this is a collection dude that's amazing you know it was one of those sort of like organic happenstance moments where you see something and something that doesn't yet exist and it just started that's how it happens sometimes. yeah it is totally how it happens that's how teach discovered his stencil uh, technique actually he was just seeing screen laying on the floor and he was like Doing i wonder if the glue <laughs> paper will stick to that yeah right and there you go bam 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 there's a Stencil technique. No, but you know what? I love your... Like, How long have you been working with the acrylic panels? This was my first collection. So, like, in, like, like months? Less than a, less than a year. Less yeah, than because a year. originally I was like, yeah, I'm going to totally buy a bunch of acrylic and cut it myself and figure it out. And I, like, bought gloves, and I was like... That was the only thing I bought, by the way. I got, glo- <laughs> I got gloves, and I it's was like, It's a pain yes. in the ass cutting acrylic. Well, I realized, I was like, okay, um... I've got a finite amount of money because I sold some, you know, this is the artist life. It's kind of like getting like paid out at the year. Waves. In waves. And it's like that wave has got to last you all the way until the next one hits. So I sold some paintings at the beginning of the year and I was like, okay, I've got X amount of dollars to be able to live off of for the next year, which means I need to come up with an entire other collection that I can sell before I'm out of this money. So I was like the, the, um, what do you call it, the learning curve of learning to work with a material like acrylic and be able to actually have it presentable in a way that I presented it at Sugarcoated. I mean, this guy's been working with acrylic panels for, you know, 15 years. So he has all the laser cutting experience, you know. It just made more sense for me to hire somebody out. Oh, definitely. And, you know, a lot of these guys, like Damien Hirsch, like, you know. Like I met of- his fabricator, and I, and I was like, oh, there's somebody else that makes it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, also, oh, my God. Like, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, oh, like God. most great artists, you know, even like Andy Warhol, uh, Rembrandt, like all these great artists, most of their pieces other people did and they just signed the damn thing and yeah. it's, it's so funny because you start getting into the art world and you're like is this even yours can I even claim it as mine and <laughs> I, I, um, it's, it gets real weird you know what I mean it and does I totally, and you know what here's the thing I was in Germany one time at a at a museum and there's all this classical art and then I realized it was like duplicates from like the 1700s and now it's being shown as like old stuff but it's actually a duplicate but it is old right and then you're just like okay it's like you know, I mean, it's just kind of like, what is like, what's, you know, the point? what's the point of it, right? But it's what I'm saying is like, you know, I think at the end of the day, if it's your personal collection, and then whatever you know you, you know, you find is good, like you know, you're gonna just collect it, right? You, you know what I mean? But what acrylic panels? I'm just saying, do you know anybody else that does acrylic panel art? I mean, funny is there enough, a no. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like, no, I mean, and th- and that's what I started noticing because um, so my my um. I call him my life partner because he's he's just been really ingrained in transforming me as an artist. But he really opened up my eyes to what was going on in the pop art scene, which was kind of having a resurgence in like 2014. And then we started going to Art Basel because I didn't even know what Art Basel was at the time. And so we went three years in a row. And the first time you're just like the, you know, your your head's blown off. You're like, wow, this is so crazy. And then the second year you're going like, okay, cool. And then the third year you're going like, dude, these are the same artists I saw the first two years. Yeah. And then I was like, and then I became kind of disappointed. And then I was like, okay, so how are you really going to invigorate? Like, what can I do to actually do something that's different? And working with a different material is one way to do that. Working with Mm -hmm. a different message is another way to do that. So I combined both working with a new material and a new message and a new environment. And I think I created... um, a brand new art platform, really, yeah. because um, not only, and this is one of the most important elements about Sugarcoated, is that it's not just an exhibit, it's actually a community building platform, because what I wanted to do in my in my lack of, you know, awareness in the, in the art community, I was like, okay, so how am I going to get people to show up? You know, good luck there. Yeah. Well, and what I what I decided to do and this this kind of happened organically is to have different events that would appeal to different niche communities. Like so I had a fundraiser for Unity Recovery, which supports free recovery services for people coming out of rehab who can't afford their services. And I had a um, a very brief uh, fundraiser for, for Reform L.A. Jails which is the organization that just shut down a $1.7 billion McCarthy jail project that was going to be built in L.A. Wow. So major shout-out to them. Um, wow. I had a Cannabis Cures panel, which was bringing together industry leaders, business owners, philanthropists, and activists who are in the cannabis field to talk about social equity programs. Where are they now? How can we better educate ourselves on the importance of them and, as a community, support them better? Um, so you smoke weed, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's, <laughs> that's brilliant, though, dude. I know, having I just had to, I just using. Had to... <laughs> No, I, it's well, yeah, of course. Just, yeah, you're talking to two stoners right here. Fabulous. You know, you know, so we're not judging at all. But no, no I'm just not saying, at all. Not at all. No, but that's brilliant to uh, to include um, great cause based uh, organizations in yeah, no, getting people to show up and uh, at an art show. I mean, that's brilliant. Well, thanks. And she did it like a collaboration with Padilla too, right? You know, and, yeah. And I'm just saying, like, it was like a. What was oh the scavenger hunt right I keep we got off topic, um so okay so basically um to to create a momentum going into the show uh, I put it together a 21 day street art scavenger hunt and I did 21 a new piece of street art dropped every single day in a different location, mm-hmm. um yeah <laughs> teachers like what are you crazy I was like I didn't know what I was biting off at the time. Um, but it was a similar sort of concept. I took on 12 of the pieces, and then I had eight collaborations with different artists. So um, Plastic Jesus, Padilla, Wordsmith, Ruthless Creations, um, uh, Adam Rodriguez, Adam Enrique Rodriguez, Brittany Palmer, um, Demk. Is that all of them? I always feel like I forget one. If I did, I'm going to have a shout-out. That means out you're human, you. and that's okay. You're like, oh, my God, so really? Okay. What a disappointment. So, so real quick, I want to ask you, <laughs> do you like Indigo or do you like um, you know what's really funny is like I've been like scared away by indicas because everybody's like it's like the couch weed you know yeah, like yeah, you smoke yeah, it yeah. and you sit on a couch. Different people have different effects. Yeah, well, so I've like shied away from it, and then so and then I was like, oh no, I'm just a hybrid girl because sativa sometimes gives me like a little like antsy feeling. Sure. And then I smoked an indica the other day, and I was like, oh, this is actually quite nice. So now I realize that I need to do a little bit more exploration. You definitely. I know for I yourself. Like you're, you're, you know what, like. Um, I think you'd like the indica type, you know what I mean? Because it'll like slow you down, and it's gonna like, it's gonna like. Well, you, you know, know, there's different create, strains like, of the indica that are gonna yeah. have, you know, different. But hybrids effects. are definitely like, uh, you know, like I said, it, for me, like I just get OG Kush all the time that my boy grows. You, you, you well, know see, I mean? so it's like cheaper, you know what I mean? Cheaper and homegrown is the way to go because, like, <laughs> I gotta tell you, man, like, so it's it's funny how like sugar coated as the exhibit actually has been, um, kind of like creating. Um, a pull in the cannabis industry. So originally when I first came up with this idea, the reason why I had the confidence to be able to move forward with it is because a friend of mine who is a big marijuana grower in Los Angeles, he had this huge warehouse right in the middle of downtown. And he was like, yeah, it's, well, I mean, I can't grow in it until I get the licenses. So it's this big empty space. You're welcome to use it. And I was like, great. If I have a venue for free, then that means like, yes, I have the confidence. I can actually do this because money is not an obstacle. And I think as an artist, like getting over the the fact that if you want to put something huge together, it's going to cost a lot of money, and you're going to, yeah. have to figure out how to get it right. Yeah, exactly. So I went into this space, and because I had four walls within to allow my brain to actually work within, you know, create parameters. Um, it's not a blank canvas anymore. Um, I was able to allow my mind to really construct like which ideas that I was going to do. What does it look like? What's the journey really look like? And um, while I was there kind of brainstorming, he started telling me about the marijuana industry, he started telling me about social equity programs and kind of the ridiculous nature of the original programs, which was basically structured to any person who has a legal license to create a new marijuana business has to give 49% of it to somebody who was otherwise denied the opportunity to be a part of the legal industry. Interesting. Oh, that makes so much sense. So much sense. So give your 49%... 49% of your business to somebody that you don't know, have no experience working with, and has um, not been really trained properly in the business techniques to be able to be successful. So inevitably, you're, um, it ends up a huge liability to the business owners. And my also, God. you know what? Here, let me just tell you straight up. In the marijuana industry, man, there's too many fucking criminals, dude. Like, my boy was... My oh, boy man. Was, my, you- no, really, my boy was just straight up at gunpoint. Uh, oh, man. You know what I mean? And it was a previous employee... And they just robbed all the weed, and he was just kept on telling them, like, hey, man, I have kids, man. Don't fucking kill me, dude. And this is, like, <sighs> a common fucking thing that happens inside, like, the marijuana industry. I'm saying that the, just the people involved, there's a lot of people trying to do good, but unfortunately, there's just, like, so many fucking cr- retards. Well, know? I mean, I mean, like, to expand on that, though, like, um, 
one of the most fascinating books that I think literally everybody in the world should read, but not very many people will because it's very complex. It's called The New Human Rights Movement. And it basically gives you a very broad-based vision of the reasons why people do things like that. Mm. And it's also because it's all because of economic need, or if not economic need, then a uh, need of perception to be um, a, a person of caliber in, a, in, in our economy that only allows that to rich people. So if you're not given the material needs to be able to say, look at me, look how well I'm doing, then you're incentivized to steal it from the people who do have it. Yeah, yeah. And it's bec- because our entire society is so um, hell-bent on, on tying our identities with our material wealth, inevitably mm-hmm. you're going to have people who have severe lack of uh, confidence in their identities who are going to obtain that material wealth in any any means possible and an industry in in an industry that's primarily cash driven yeah. it's a sitting duck for those types of things exactly. to happen exactly. so yeah. you know so you've got you've got the the banking the lack of banking services that are contributing to that you have this huge swell of um these, oh man, this, this touches on a really important part. So I've started going to different um, business networking events in the cannabis industry because I'm hugely fascinated. It yeah. really is the green rush. It's like so much energy and entrepreneurialism that's going on. But I watched a panel with this guy who, uh, Charlie Wilson, who is one of the creators of the metric system that is like the program that's rolling out the um, tracking systems. But he's also involved in the Safe Banking Act, which was to actually open up banking services to the cannabis industry. And he comes from a very logical, very practical background of analyzing the industry itself and seeing where it can be optimized for better efficiency, which basically means uh, continue to shut down the illegal markets, right, so that you can better regulate the legal markets. What this really means when it comes to human circumstance is that that means shutting down the the illegal shops that don't have the opportunity to get their licenses, which basically means perpetuating the war on drugs in a different context. Mm -hmm. And I think that unless Mm -hmm. we have a conversation around the real human impact of what regulating the industry really means, we're still perpetuating the harms that we're trying to solve. But social equity literally is supposed to be the conduit through which we heal through the development of this new industry. but most people don't know what it is, and the ways in which it was actually implemented from the get-go was so harmful to business owners. The business owners are like, "Oh fuck, social equity! I don't want anything to do with it." Have you seen yeah. Have you seen Murder Mountain on Netflix? No, but I should. You I should watch it because it's about like the the growers and just like uh, growing Mountain. up in humble. Let me, let me write that down. Yeah, it's like a documentary. They follow the growers. And it's just like, uh, like I said again, there's so many fucking criminal. Any any black market, <laughs> you know, any cash industry. Yeah, okay. exactly. And you know what? Let's let's talk about music for a second because sure. I, I know you said you are you still. I mean, I'm sure you still sing, basically, right? You know, so we should collab definitely. I'm so you down I mean? with music like that. Dude, like I said, Anytime. when you were listening to your music earlier, I was it just you know you got the backup singers. Oh yeah, in there. I'm like a disco house singer. If you're gonna put me in a category, like I I love it, man. Let's make some music. Definitely, let's do that. So into that. But I want to talk to you real quick before I forget. And we're also nearing the end too. (gasps) What? No. Can we make this a two-hour segment? No, we'll go as long (laughs) as we want. We go as long as we want until we get enough out of each other. Uh, Flying by today, man. Well, I want to talk about okay. Underground rave scene in Kansas City. Yes. How the fuck is that like? Uh, you know, I was supposed the inside of any warehouse looks the same anywhere you are. Yeah, but know? I mean, what DJs come through? I mean, like, you, you know what I mean? Like, is it like, I'm dubstep is like really big now in the Midwest. Oh okay? my God, like, dude, you know it was I mean? before dubstep days. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, this was like 15 years ago, maybe. Okay. Like, I caught the very tail end of the true underground scene where yeah, you had to yeah, get yeah. the address from somewhere and then you show up and then they give you Remember address somewhere else. These? Remember to tell you about these parties, Teach? How? They call them map point parties. Map yes. point parties. Map point parties. You, know, you go to the record store, you buy the ticket, they give you like a fucking address, you go to the address or you call it. And then they give the you address, another address. And they give you another address to find it. Yeah. Or, you know, or else the cops are going to show up. You, you know what I mean? Anyways, I basically, I always love like rock music and rap music and stuff like that. But the moment I went to my first underground rave, I fucking fell in oh, love. Oh, fell in I, love, I man. Like, this is like what I'm all about now. So like for fucking the next like five years, this was during like, uh, when like I, I would say that when Tiesto was actually like making trance still, and right? He, he still like he wasn't making his bullshit that he's making right now, you know. And so he got above and beyond Ferry Corson, and he had the drum bass scene too. So I'm just curious, like what nowadays is there still like an underground scene in in KC? I mean, you've been out here for a while, right? Now, right? Or you know, it's funny. Like I think I think it's so interesting how like now that I that I understand what I'm doing with myself and with my energy. 
partying doesn't fit into my schedule as much as it used to, you know, like I think, I think that it was such an important part of my development as a human because it allowed me to find community somewhere that I wasn't able to find it anywhere else. Mm. And I think that that was the real magic of the underground scene when it first started. It was kind of like where the, all the outcasts went to be weird. And there was (laughs) a sense of like vibrational synchronicity that happened in the underground scene where we had the the space to be fully expressive of who we are. And it's funny because you know, the people who were developed in those scenes are now, you know, we're in adulthood now, finally figuring out, like, like Dolls Kill, you know, that huge brand that everybody's obsessed with, that, that was developed in the underground scene. A lot of things, yeah, a lot, a lot of different, so like, much. I mean, shit, Obey. <laughs> Obey, right, yeah. and, and it's so crazy, too, to think about, you know, um, how we as a society, like, shut down these sort of underground societies when that's where the most fruitful creativity is, is abound, you know what yeah, I mean? You're right, you're right, yeah, I mean, Again, that's so cool, man. KC underground rave scene. I'm that that's I feel like we're kindred spirits. Now oh, that totally. You come from the rave scene. <laughs> totally, we are. <laughs> but you know, funny, you were asking about like what DJs came through before. It wasn't about the DJ. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It wasn't right. about the DJ. It was about is the music good? I don't really care who's playing it, yeah. but is it good? Because what for me, like my favorite spot is to go all the way in the back of the warehouse. Well, I have two favorite spots. Either hugging the speaker. I was just or- <laughs> <laughs> I like or- the subwoofer like crawled in. Like- well, now that you got the like, you know, like the super fancy speakers that you can be right next to them and they don't blow your ears yeah, out. Yeah, oh yeah, man, yeah, yeah. so great. But they like my favorite spot though was to go in the back of the rave where it's not crowded, where I have all the space in the world, turn yeah. my back to the DJ and dance for myself. Because there I found myself, like, when you're visually occupied with a DJ, you're not really allowing your body to connect with yeah. the sound. So for me, like, really allowing myself to move, either that or the dance circles. I was always in the dance yeah. circles. And you know what's cool? Because the only reason anybody knew Tiesto is because he was a foreign DJ that was, right. like, that was like, big. You know what I mean? Because all the local DJs, it wasn't it wasn't this DJ worship scene that Mm-mm. we have nowadays. It's like, you have one guy, like, raising his arm, pressing the play button, and then, like, uh, uh, you know, you have a dinosaur fucking visual, like, tearing up, like, the, the city. It's all about, like, the lights and, like, everything nowadays, too, you know? Because the, the music... I mean, like I said, it, it depends on your taste, whether you like certain types of music or not. Everybody, you know, nobody should judge anybody for liking certain type, type of music, you know what I mean? But it's just, like, it's changed a lot. It's so cool to, like, know somebody from a different city that was still experiencing, like, kind of, like, a similar vibe, you know what I mean? It just shows that there's an underground network that you can actually, like all combined together and it goes far too. You know, it, goes it goes very far. It goes all the way to Europe. It goes all the way to Asia. You, you, you know what I mean? And it's just like, it's an amazing what you can actually do in the underground scene. So, I mean, if you're an artist out there and you're kind of just thinking like, oh dude, I'm not, I don't know what to do. No, no, none of the mainstream people are paying attention to me. Go to your local underground fucking rave, man. Like, you know Get I mean? a little experience and an influence. Exactly, you know, and then like... Uh, Culture. Y- y- yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, teach... Uh, let me just ask you, have you ever, besides the rave I took you to in Amsterdam, I mean, back in the day, like, were there, like, underground parties so much, or, not in Destin, for sure, right? Not in Destin, I mean. I, 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 I was too busy working. Yeah, yeah, and Well, you, you, well, you were, you, you know, Teach was a professional volleyball player, actually. No. 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 My bad. <laughs> and, and, and he was a, he's, he's getting all humble. You know, no, but Teach was, like, a model scout, like, he was a model himself, and things like that, too, man. I could so. see, I could see that. <laughs> Few other lives, yeah. Few other uh, other lives. <laughs> but, but like I said, <laughs> no, I, I never. Uh, I, I was always the guy in the in the um, music store that could not remember the name of the fucking song or the name of the band, but was not an asshole enough to try to hum the the music. <laughs> so, you know, I wouldn't even leave with what the fuck I came there for. I would go look around for a bit and then leave like an asshole. Yeah. You know, and, and so I didn't feel like I had enough knowledge to to go to these big events and and relate to people. Mm. You know, I always felt like I needed to be good at something to relate with people or to you know make friends or something like that. How and, interesting! Yeah. Well, also, you know, I was, I was thinking about this the other day. The music industry has like really changed because now um, I was actually listening to a TED talk. They were saying that before, like when you put on a band's t-shirt, like I have a Johnny Cash t-shirt, you kind of identify with the values you're like i accept these values right and uh you know when you you go to these music events to kind of meet people with similar uh, values that you guys accept but nowadays like everybody uh you know they have social media it's easier to feel like you kind of belong to a group that's why and music is free now now music is about 
sh- how to show off. It's not really, hey, my my music is conveying a message, mm-hmm. and like all these people agree with it. Now it's like, hey, look at me. I'm play- I can play on my Instagram guitar, you know, and everybody's jamming by themselves. Actually, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of like different. I mean, like, uh, you know, you said you sing, right? I mean, like, how do you feel like the music industry has kind of like changed in, in the past few years? I mean, obviously, you went the art direction more now, right? Well, you know, it's really interesting because I I see that there's huge opportunity to actually kind of like, I mean, like. I think that there's a lot of artists that do have a really important message in their music, but they're just not able to hit those mainstream because it's still the big corporate conglomerates that are deciding what we listen to. Yeah, I mean, you got BTS, man. People don't even know what the fuck Korean people are saying, and then they're, they're just like, you know, I mean, that, that's just it's, it's so crazy nowadays. <laughs> it's just like the corporate music, and, you know, there's less, you're right, creativity, you know what I mean? It's like people are looking for that formula, you know what I mean? Like, it's so, honestly, like, you asked, I was a musician, it's like hard to jam with people nowadays because everybody's doing their own thing. You want to get together in the same room and jam? That's like, <laughs> there's like very few, you know I mean? How we make music now is like, all right, I'm going to work on it, send you this file, yeah. you're going you're gonna to add this channel, you know what I mean? So send it back. So isolated. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Technology you know I mean? is isolating the fuck out of people. And it that's is. what I love about the street art world, though, okay? At the end of the day, like, you got to physically fucking go out there and, like, put it out on the street, you know what I mean? So they're... You know, and then that becomes an event. Hey, two street artists go out on the street and, like, uh, you know, they get to know each other. And then they, they like... Uh, they bond because you're watching each other's back and everything. Exactly, and exactly. God forbid you run from the cops and you even bond more, you know? It's like you know, we had that know, experience together. We ran from the cops, man. We're, like, bonded for life. I mean, that's a, that's a real thing, man. <laughs> I'm still friends with people I escaped from parties with when I was younger. You know, everybody's, like, fleeing the same direction. And we're like, yo, well, let me grab your number. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know what? Um, so I got a question for you. Do you ever do uh, commissions with your artwork? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so like, how, what's the easiest way for someone to get a get in touch with you to, to get a commission? Um, done? you can email me at info at true t r e w dot l o v e. Okay. Yeah, okay. email me, say what's up, follow me on Instagram. Um, so yeah, so Sugarcoated is going to be touring throughout the next year, but I'm also going to be developing. So um, so I do want to stay on canvas intermittent through all the sugar-coated exhibits so i have a, a collection called the icon series where i'm gonna i use people who i really respect and kind of turn it into sort of like a pop art canvas form so people can have like smaller actually hand-painted originals because while the sugar-coated experience is very very important i think it's doing a lot for community development um what people are those popsicles? Still... What are those popsicles all about? I want to oh, the popsicles. popsicles. Yeah, they were all Wait a second. Let's, let me just finish this thought for oh, her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, they're expensive. Uh, well, I want to start making like, smaller, less expensive pieces that are more accessible. I think that that's really, really important. And it's funny enough, it's like the grass is greener type of situation. I was like, oh, get me off the canvas. I'm going to you know, do this whole fabricated collection. And now I'm like, oh, man. Everything is just the administrative work when I'm not actually creating anything on Canvas. So I think what I'm going to do yeah. is have, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, oh. Um, it's not ready yet. <laughs> it's not ready yet. So I think what I'm going to do is um, continue to develop my icon series. Like w- one of my dream pieces yeah, that I want to do is to do like a huge full-sized um, kind of like a, uh, what is the, the, the supper? Last Supper. Last Supper kind of piece, but have it all females, but have um, females throughout history who have changed law and changed Mm. history, handing Mm. down the gifts that they've done in their generation to the next generation, all the way up. So it creates this storyline of forgotten women who've changed policy. All right, you put it well, out there. You know what? Yeah. You've already now got it copyrighted. <laughs> well, yeah, you got it. This is a, basically what's referred to as a poor man's copyright. Okay, great. As then I have another thing I need to run by. <laughs> is, <laughs> I really like the textures that you put behind like the uh, icon series, uh, you know, on your canvas ones. Uh, but I want, like I said, I want to know about the popsicles. I mean... I mean, I, okay, I'm yeah, the pops. Yeah, yeah, the the more, yeah, the bomb pops as they're called, or rocket pops. Um, so that was actually the first um, piece from the collection. We can, yeah, don't I wouldn't worry about that. Um, we, it's the first piece in the collection um, that I really envisioned because it was the the piece that I knew that would have the most impact. So each of the bomb pops is dedicated to a country that the United States has bombed since 1950. Um, because I wanted people to be able to stand back from the piece and visually absorb the impact that we're having on the world around us. And because, you know, every every few years we're like, oh, we're bombing this country. And it's like, oh, well, that's a shame. If a couple of years later it's like, oh, we're bombing this company, country, oh, that's a shame. You know, and it's like we don't realize that this has been a continual campaign. And guess what? It's not working. 
But we're, you know, it's like it's like we're insane. Our government's that insane. That depends on who you are. Now, if you're a contractor for the military, you're pretty happy the, about it. We're pretty happy about it, you know? And, and so what I wanted to do, actually, is uh, start putting the civilian casualties on the actual popsicle stick and then add it up and say this is how many people the United States has killed since 1950. I like that. Um, but what I realized is not only is this information difficult to find, even on the, the interwebs, um, but it also, um, in Korea alone, I think the number was close to like 2.5 million. And I was like, yeah, I was going to say, you're going to have a large number of, I was like, I don't even think I have enough wall space to rent out a big warehouse. You know, yeah. And just, just in order to, to hold space literally for the people who've been killed in the name of our quote unquote freedom that we have when in actuality freedom over here is just a joke and we don't even realize it. Freedoms. We have freedoms. Freedoms. Uh, yeah, certain freedoms. Certain freedoms. Freedom to watch the NFL, for example. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> Some powerful, powerful messages you have here. You know what I mean? And you know, like I said, we're gonna have to collab on the music stuff. Oh yeah, way. absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? I think if you come from the you know house background and also trans, I mean, just underground rave scene, I know we're gonna have something fun to do you know what i mean well and i'll and i'll share with you like and and this is kind of like my big call to action that i'm gonna that i'm starting to develop now is um it's my my i call it my legacy project if i die and i do this then i've lived a good life um it's called the la city angels project so Mm -hmm. basically what i want to do is do 14 building sized angels all across the entire city of los angeles so i want them to be so elevated that you can see them from freeways and mountains and stuff kind of like the hollywood sign so um each Why angel, 14? Uh, because there's 14 city council districts. I th- actually think that there's si- 15 city council districts, but I think one might be in Long Beach, which I think would be too far for the concept of the project. But I want to have one angel per city council district, and I want to design them in such a way that the community itself can actually come out and help paint it, Ooh. and then so it becomes a community building project. So, and I want to do a documentary of this entire process, doing interviews with the people who actually reside in Los Angeles and make up the soul of the city. Oftentimes, the only thing, actually not oftentimes, really, the only thing that's exported from Los Angeles is Hollywood, and that's not really what L.A. is, and I would like to the citizens to, to really kind of give a, you know, a flipped coin perspective on what really makes up the soul of the city, so when the angel is done, we'll invite the city council member from that district to meet their constituents, we'll work with neighborhood city council members to promote the project so that people recognize that there's actually a, an even more local chapter to their city government in their area, which is their neighborhood council, and they're, they're actually the ones who, you know, if there's a pothole, you should talk to them, if there's a stop sign you want to add, you talk to them. They're the council that actually will be able to make those changes in your local area, and a lot of people don't even know that they exist. Yeah, I don't um, know. I don't. I don't know who to talk to about anything. Yeah, so I there's this. Well, they they keep that uh, keep it that way so yeah. that they can you know. Um, because control. they they want you to be asleep. That's the whole idea. You yeah. know, we yeah we've done community projects at LH Fair Gallery too. I mean, we had like one time we had like Random Act, uh, Scepterhead, and. Um, uh, Forest Lawn basically paint like huge murals in like one of the worst uh, cities called Colton basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm all about that, man. So just let us know what like projects you want to do and whatever we can help. We'd love to co-promote it. We'd like to clone you several times. (laughs) I would Uh, too. Can we do that? Can we work on that? Anybody listening who can help me out? Yeah, we got a lot of projects to work on. We got music, we got art, and we got community projects, you know, activism basically. Well, I mean, and that's perfect because, I mean, the the long game is like once, once, so when each is is debuted, we'll have like a... Oh, wait, hold on a second, hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Hey, Dad? (laughs) Hey, what's going on? Oh, you mean with the fires? Huh? You mean with the fires? Yeah. Yeah, no, we're fine. You're fine? Yeah. Oh. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, no, they always make it sound worse on the on the news, Dad. You know, they need, they need you know, something for people to watch. <laughs> people like me to call up, huh? Yeah. Well, listen, Dad. I gotta, I gotta go right now because I'm right in the middle of a podcast. I'm glad you're okay. Love you, I love you so much. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Sorry. Oh, that was amazing. That was sweet. When, when Dad calls, I answer the phone. <laughs> that yeah, good boy. <laughs> you know what though? But like I said, we'd love to support you. You know, you're quote unquote new on the scene, right? So. 
And dude, the mind on this one, (laughs) the mind and the energy, you talk about putting some programs together and and making some impact. I'm already trying to figure out if these angels are going to be made out of metal or concrete. Are you right? As long as we can paint them as a a team, then let's do it. it. You know, because I got like, they don't have to be on buildings. We can suspend them above places if we can figure out a mechanism to do that. You know what? She's the personality type that's going to figure it out. You know what I mean? You're going to figure it out. Like I said, I love your stream of consciousness. Man. Well, you know, well, the cool thing is, because so the biggest part of the project... Okay, this is the most exciting part. Okay. Let's hear it. Let's end it with this. Okay, cool. Yes, grand finale. Um, so when all 14 angels are debuted, what I want to do is drop a self-guided historical driving tour that takes you from angel to angel to angel, tells you the inspiration behind the angel and the community that bought it, or the Put, that put it together but then it'll take you on a historical tour throughout the entire city of LA and then I want to pitch it to the city as a, a 2028 Olympics tourist attraction oh fuck yeah. done yeah Dude. so and then mic drop icing on the cake what I want to do is you'll you'll download the app for a dollar once the actual project pays for itself everything that's in addition to that will be put into a communal account and everybody who has the app downloaded will get a quarterly announcement that says we've got X amount of dollars in our pot who do you want it to go to and then we'll vet three different charitable organizations and the money will be cleared out and given it to um, each one of those three organizations as voted upon by the people who downloaded the Angels Project app dude I'm telling you I love this man this girl needs to be a part of a LA Street Art Gallery yeah, man. I mean, shoot. You know, we, I think we could find some room, man. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna down. sneak out to the parking lot and take her spark plugs out of the car so that. Uh, <laughs> That's one way of doing just... it. <laughs> yeah, I want to thank you so much for coming. Thank on. you, and guys. Like said, it's an honor. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna do some work together, so I'm sure you'll be back. You know, you know what I mean. So, thank you very much. And what's your Instagram or anything else you want people to follow you on? Um, at true t r e w double underscore love. Double um, underscore. Don't double underscore. Double yeah, underscore. the other people named True Love don't like it so much when you tag them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she let me know. Um, my website is true t r e w dot l o v e no dot com. Just true dot love, and um, yeah, follow me, hang out, come to one of my shows. I'm going to be taking this across the nation, so hopefully I'll be building the um, nationwide sugar coated campaign as we go on through 2020. I love it. Yeah. Thanks so much. And hey, uh, please, uh, if you guys can, leave us a review. Share it with others. Help us build. Yes, absolutely. Follow us on Spotify now. We're on Spotify now. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. You guys are amazing. Thank you. It's an thank honor you. to be here. Okay, take care. Bye. Peace. Bye. And in-